Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me this morning. I've brought my other sister along because you can't have too many sisters in a room, can you? So, uh, but they're much older than me. I always say that. (laughs) Eight years older than me, seven years older than me. Um, So I'm the youthful one, apparently. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's great to be with you um, this weekend. You know, I have um, quite a few passions in my life, but the local church is one of the biggest passions. And God has absolutely birthed within me the, 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 the sense that, you know, he wants his people to be his hands and his feet and his voice in um, society today. I, um, I'm married to Dave. Um, we met at Bridal College uh, 23 years ago. And um, I promised my dad I wouldn't date anybody for the first year because I'd gone through the whole youth group dating everybody in the church. And he said, Sean, you're heading to Bible college. Be on your best behavior. Because everybody knew him at Bible college as well. So he's a pastor, and he was the chair of the directors of Bible college. So on the first night, I thought, right, I'm going to do my best. And then I saw Dave from across the uh, common room. And I thought, oh, no. (laughs) And we've been with it together ever since. Uh, We've got three children, um, a 15-year-old girl, a 13-year-old year old boy, an 11 year old girl, so we've got a whole lot of hormones going on in the house, and we also foster as well, so we've got a lovely seven year old boy and an eight year old boy at home. So it's pretty busy, and to be honest with you, this feels like a break, so I'm, (laughs) just to be out of the house where there's just too many people, um, this is wonderful. So yeah, we've, uh, we've just been on such a journey. When God called us into leading a church, we've been leading a church in Lincoln for 18 years now. And uh, he brought us to an area that was very deprived, and that sense of the, 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 the community didn't really know who the church were. They used to drive into the to, to church, didn't connect with the community at all. If the church disappeared, the community wouldn't have been any of the wiser. And so our heart really was to crack open the church and build those relationships. And we have been on such an incredible journey. And friends, it's, do you ever feel like when you're in your relationship with God, it's like strapping into a roller coaster, you know? <laughs> Anyone thinks this life is boring? I'm not being funny. You're probably not living the right Christian life because it feels a little bit when God tells you to do something and you're like, with what resources? <laughs> with what people? What are you asking us to do? And that, that sense of, and we, we've been through um, incredible blessings, challenges. God took us through a couple of years where literally we were receiving manna from heaven, living by faith, you know, believing on the word of God when sometimes the resources weren't coming through. And then, and then God blowing our minds and the bank saying, right, we owe you £100,000 and we need to pay this off and pay that off. And you just, I remember lying on my kitchen floor, because this is what you do when God comes through. <laughs> You lie on your sticky kitchen floor saying, only you, God, could have figured that one out, you know, and just, it's been incredible. There's been the challenges along the way as well. In 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer, and that was a real challenge as well. You know, sometimes you you often think challenges when you're leading a church is kind of out there with the church, but actually when it affects you and your health as well, that can be a thing, can't it? Um, so uh, that, that sense when you're 36 and you've got breast cancer and they say, well, you know, with, you, with younger women it can be very aggressive. So you're kind of listening to the doctor's words, but I'm thinking, 
doesn't feel like it's aligning with the words of God. <laughs> you know, I'm hearing this, but my spirit is saying this, and that sense of, so that journey as well, of, 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 of journeying through that. I've allowed my hair to go gray, okay? How many of you are embracing the gray? Okay. <laughs> it all comes to us at some point where we go, do you know what, I'm just going to go with the gray. And every time I look in the mirror, and I just thank God that I'm growing old, there's something really beautiful about saying, thank you, God, I have this opportunity to grow old. Because sometimes when somebody has spoken over you and said, you might not be able to grow old, it's quite a beautiful thing. So embracing the fact that God is still doing a work in me and through us is just incredible. So I just want to kind of unpack some of the word of God this morning. I love your theme, speak. Um, and, you know, our words are incredibly powerful. What were we taught when we were younger? Sticks and stones? Yeah, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Rubbish. <laughs> Hands up if you think it's rubbish. I think that's absolute rubbish. I have known people whose their entire trajectory of their life has changed because of words that have been spoken over their lives. Our words are powerful. You know, we were made in the image of God who spoke the whole world into being with his words. This is what the word of God has to say about our words. In Proverbs 18, it says, power of life and death are in the tongue. Matthew 12 said, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 12, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. James chapter 3, I love the book of James. I could just like preach on the book of James every time. But in, in uh, the message translation, it says this, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. And it goes on to say, this is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. And with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women that were made in his image. Curse and blessings come out of the same mouth. My goodness, it's pretty big stuff. When we talk about our words and speaking out, we need to know the power of our words. So many times in God's word, actually, it says, use these more than use this. <laughs> You know, what did your parents used to say? You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> you know, use your ears more than you... Because actually what comes out of this can do an awful lot for good, but an awful lot for bad. As I was praying um, to God about what he wanted me to share this morning, he um, was bringing Ezekiel 37 to mind, and that's the Valley of the Dry Bones. So we're just going to kind of look at that a little bit this morning and just be encouraged by what happened there. You know, Ezekiel, he was one of God's prophets, so I don't know if you know any of the, the kind of, the, before Jesus came, before we had that direct access to God, where, you know what, you can talk to God anywhere. <laughs> Back in the Old Testament, it was the prophets who God chose to speak to his people, because often God's people weren't even listening to God anymore. They were doing their own thing. And so God called Ezekiel to be one of his prophets because his people were in a place of desolation they had just been doing things in their own way and Ezekiel had witnessed the Babylonians just destroying Jerusalem and so it says this in Ezekiel 37 if you've got your Bibles with you 
It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So as I prophesied, I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life, stood upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I have spoken and that I have done it, declared the Lord. This is, I don't know if you've got an imagination like me, but when you read passages like this, you can see it before you. You're like, wow, this is a stunning vision that God is placing before Ezekiel. This valley of dry bones was representing the hopelessness of his people. These bodies weren't just dead, they were piles of bones. Each person has at least 200 bones in their body. So imagine how full that valley was of bones. And the spirit was taking him up and down through these bones. And it says there were dry bones at that. What is the significance of dry bones? Well, my learned brother-in-law, who is in the other room, Nick, (laughs) he um, shared with me last night about the fact that actually in Proverbs 13, it talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs 15 says sorrow of the heart leads to a crushed spirit. And Proverbs 17 says a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So we go from hopelessness, a sick heart, a crushed spirit, dry bones. There was a reason why those bones were dry. Have you ever been in a situation that has felt like a valley of dry bones? All around you, it literally feels like there is no hope. You may have experienced this personally in your own life, or you may experience this when you walk, maybe you walk into work, and it feels like that worship time that you had at home with God, and all the hope that you were carrying for today is going to be a good day, and you walk into the door at work, and it evaporates. And maybe you're in that situation in work where you're just like, where is the hope? Maybe it's in your family situation. Maybe it's in your community or your town or your city. Maybe you're working in projects where you say, I'm really struggling to see the hope here, if I'm totally honest. And when I look around me, all I see 
a dry bones. I love the fact that God said, son of man, can these dry bones live? You know, when Ezekiel was first called to be a prophet, he was in exile. So if we go back to Ezekiel 1, he was in exile. So he wasn't in a great place. And God gave him this incredible vision of the heavens opening. And he sees incredible things, heavenly creatures, flashing lights. Then he had a vision of what we assume is Jesus glowing like fire and a rainbow surrounding him. The glory of the Lord in all of its crazy fullness was before Ezekiel. And all, it says all Ezekiel could do was fall down, face down in worship. And then we read through 36 chapters of God doing incredible things through Ezekiel, asking Ezekiel to do a few wacky things, if I'm totally honest, like eating a scroll or lying on his side for a year or doing certain things that are telling the people of God, you know, what God wants for them. And so Ezekiel has seen God in all of his power. And so God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? If I was Ezekiel, I might have gone, of course they can, Lord. You know, you've done everything. And actually, all we hear from Ezekiel is, only you know, God. Only you know. Is that a lack of faith in Ezekiel? I don't think it is. I think he's got to the point where he's seen God do incredible things. But he's also watched the desolation of his people for many, many years. And sometimes you get to a point where you, in a sigh, say, God, if you don't move, nothing's going to happen. Only you, God. Only you. Have you ever been in that situation where you've said, we've tried everything humanly possible, only you. I love the fact when Jesus talks about salvation, which is the ultimate bones to full life, he says, you know, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And it's really, really powerful. So he said, only you know. I believe God asked him that question because he wanted him to be part of the solution. Raising Israel from the dead was going to be just as humanly possible as putting these bones together and making a vast army. Again, Ezekiel was being asked to be the mouthpiece of God. I find that absolutely incredible that God, who spoke the world into being, asks people like you and me to be his mouthpiece. Friends, let's never take that for granted. That is an awesome responsibility. And again, it makes me think, wow, how am I using this tongue? How am I using this mouth? Am I speaking into hopelessness with just more hopelessness? Or am I saying, actually, this is what the word of God says? It's really, really powerful. So God tells him to prophesy to the bones, saying, hear the word of the Lord. And then we see something remarkable. As he starts to speak, the bones start to rattle. And I wonder, I'm looking probably too far into the scripture. Um, I wonder whether he heard the rattling bones and then forgot to say the last part of the prophecy. (laughs) Because it says all of this started to happen. But then before him lay these fully formed bodies, but they all looked like they were slain. So now we not, don't just have bones, we have bodies, but they've got no breath in them. They're physically formed, and yet they are dead inside. 
And so the word of the Lord is spoken again. Maybe God is reminding Ezekiel, by the way, there's a second part of the prophecy, Ezekiel. <laughs> Command breath to enter them. And the word breath is the same breath that God breathed into Adam. It's not just, let's get this, these, these lungs going. It's the spirit of God. It's the breath of God. And that is what's used. And as he, as he prophesies this, it says the whole army stands up. And they are not only fully formed, but they are fully alive. Incredible. And God is saying, Ezekiel, this is what I want for my people. This is what I want. And I just believe that there's a few things that God wants us to understand and grasp. And maybe for some of you this morning, it might be the first time that you've ever really thought through this. Some of us who have been kind of seasoned Christians for a long time may just need reminding of some of these words today. God has shown you a valley of dry bones for a reason. And whatever that looks like, it might be within your immediate setting. It might be, like I said, in your community. It might be where you work. It might be with people that you're working with. When I ask you to think about a hopeless situation that feels like those dry bones, it might be a situation that's come to your attention or has stolen all of your attention. May I gently suggest that God has brought you to this place for a reason. There are many things in this world that breaks God's heart. And I know we sing things like, break my heart for what breaks yours. If our heart broke for everything that breaks God's heart, we would break. Full stop. We would break. However, what I love about God is he almost speaks individually to us about an aspect of something that breaks his heart. This is what, what I love about church. You've got people that are so passionate about something and they get so annoyed that the rest of the church aren't as passionate as they are about that thing. But let's be honest, if we were all passionate about the same thing, there'd be a whole lot of society that aren't having needs met. Because God, what he does is he breaks our heart for things that he knows he wants to use us in. And so as he starts to do that, and, and he starts to allow us to see what he sees, and then we feel what he feels, and then he asks us to speak into that situation, to do something. Do you know what? Our words are powerful. Like I said, they hold the power of life and death. But the word of God, it holds the power of complete transformation and revival. I'm going to repeat that. Our words are powerful. But the word of God holds the power of complete transformation and revival. We see, we feel, we speak. You may be sat here right now and thinking, I know exactly what my valley of dry bones is. It's been there for quite some time. It might be that actually you say, I'm not really sure what it is that I am seeing that feels like it's a hopeless situation. May I, may I suggest to you that you spend time with God and say, what is it that you want me to see? Give me eyes to see as you see. You know, sometimes we can see things in the physical and everything looks honky-dory and everything looks beautiful. And then God gives us spiritual eyes to see the rot 
that is happening. And that is the kind of request that it's hard to go back on, so do it with caution. (laughs) Because when you're asking God to see things the way he sees them, it's very hard to unsee it. Ezekiel walked among the bones. He wasn't just stood there looking at the valley of bones. He walked among them. You know, it's really hard to see the hopelessness from a distance. God never asked us to separate ourselves from the world. We are in it, but we're not of it. Sometimes we can live in our own little bubble, can't we? Separated from the pain of our community. But when we intentionally start to walk among the bones, there's a sense that we're starting to understand the hopelessness. It may be that we start to open up our church door to it. Maybe individually we start to put ourselves in situations where we start to see hopelessness. I just see that in Jesus' life time and time again. He walked into hopeless situations. He went around to people's homes and sat and ate with them. He met a woman at a well. He did so many different things where he was facing every time with this sense of hopelessness. He immersed himself in their world. So he couldn't help but see the dry bones before him. So we need to see, but we also need to feel. Allow ourselves time to feel. Now, one of the things that as Pentecostals are not, or happy clappies, as I have to try and explain to other denominations who don't know what Pentecostal means, um, we've never really been taught what lament is. You know, somebody's a bit down, well, praise the Lord, let's just pray it over, let's keep going, let's keep clapping, let's keep... Actually, the Word of God talks a lot about lament. That's a practice that we need to put into our lives. Sometimes there needs to be a time of sorrow that is not swept away quickly because it's all very awkward and we don't really want to have that sense of emotion within us. There has to be a time to express grief and pain. The Jewish people used to call this sitting Shiva. For seven days, they would cut themselves off from everyday life to mourn together with others. Someone once said that lament is allowing the expression of pain to manifest itself within a safe and godly framework. We grieve how broken this world is. We ask forgiveness for anything that we have either done to contribute to the pain or things that we have not done to help within this. Things that we've chosen not to do. When we see that hopelessness, sometimes we need to take time out to lament. And I'm not saying let's spiral into a sense of, well, it's, it's all hopeless then, isn't it? That's not what lament is, but it is taking time to feel. Because unless you feel, you have no right to speak. That wasn't even in my notes. I think that was Holy Spirit speaking. Unless you feel you have no right to speak, let's take that pain to God. Let's lament with him. So we see and we feel, then we speak. What is God saying? What I love about God's word is we have 66 books in our Bible full of promises of God. If you're saying, well, I have, I've not heard the word of the Lord. Well, let me suggest to you, there's plenty of it. (laughs) 
There's plenty of promises, plenty of things he says. But sometimes he, and sometimes he does use the Bible. Other times it might be that he gives you a vision or a dream. He declares something of what he is saying into that situation. Can I suggest to you that you don't allow yourself to become overwhelmed? Realize that you serve the God, again, who spoke the world into being. Nothing is impossible for him. A lot of things are impossible for me. I'm just me. With limited time, limited resources, limited attention. Pretty sure I've got a bit of ADHD. <laughs> you know, that sense of actually focusing on something and sticking at it and that, that sense of, you know, but actually loads of things are impossible for me. Nothing's impossible for God. It's so powerful. So actually, let's not become overwhelmed when we see the hopelessness. When you have a word of God in that situation, you speak it into being and you allow the transformation to begin in your own life. As you receive the word of God into your own life, it spills out into those around you and start listening for the sound of rattling, the little chink of light, because it's so, so powerful. I've been thinking about this word hope for quite some time now. Many people I spend time with in our city, we've got a number of different um, centers and we run different well-being cafes and we just have open doors and we have lots of people coming in through the day. They are in a place of despair. They lack hope. Now, the word of God tells me that hope is an anchor to the soul. These people are anchorless. Hope is an anchor to the soul. But do you know what? The only hope worth speaking about is the hope that Jesus offers. But sometimes we have to do things in stages. I love the fact that after the first lot of prophesying, we have these fully formed bodies, like I said. They're kind of alive, but there's no breath in them. One of my passions and one of the passions of our church is we love to serve our city. You know, it's very hard to talk to somebody about Jesus when their stomach is rumbling because they've not eaten for three days. It's so, so important. The word of God speaks about the poor 300 times. The poor are very close to God's heart. And so that sense of serving people in a physical, practical way cannot be underestimated, but it cannot stop there. We've started reaching into that sense, that area of mental health at the moment as well. So not just having, you know, the physical met, but actually the emotional and mental needs met but if it stops just there, we have a whole load of people that look fully formed, but inside they're still dead. Inside they're still dead. They don't have the breath of God in them. They don't have access to an eternity with their creator. Let's serve people in the best way possible and however we can. We are the hands and the feet of a limitless God who owns all things. Never let resources be, hold you back. Never let fear hold you back of, well, what if we have this type of person coming in or this type? How would we manage? God will help you. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll be a safeguarding nightmare, but he will help you because, you know, well, I mean, we've got I've made friends with this really lovely guy, and I found out that recent, well, not recently, like many years ago, he stabbed a nurse, and then he's done his prison time and everything else. But I didn't know that as I got to know him. That sense of he's come into our wellbeing cafe, and he says, I feel like there's a, this is the first place I've ever felt peace. 
Now, he's not met Jesus yet, but he's in an atmosphere where Jesus is, and there's something going on within him. But if we'd been fearful about people walking in who have got these histories, and there's still an element of us that think, come on, God, (laughs) you know, keep helping us with this, because sometimes we feel a little bit out of our depth, if we're honest. People with addictions, and we don't know how to help them in that moment when they're high, when they're in that place where where they're just falling to pieces, and we're, we're doing what we can. And friends, this is what God has asked us to do that. He got so angry with the religious leaders. Jesus got so angry with the religious leaders when they swanned around, you know, pretending they were holy people, but they completely turned a blind eye to the poor. It really wound him up. <laughs> he used a lot of words to them <laughs> that were really quite brave to use. It's so important that we serve, but let's not leave it at that. Let's not, let's not shortchange people and say that that's all there is. Actually, we hold the hope of eternal life. I think stories are powerful. I think testimony is powerful. Revelation says testimony is powerful. It says, actually, how are you going to defeat the enemy? The power of the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Always keep speaking your story. Learn how to speak your story. Learn to get it in within a few minutes and not give your whole life story. I've had to learn that one. (laughs) Um, But that sense of using stories, because I think what they do is they unlock or they they give a kind of a, a chink of light or hope to others. When we first arrived in Lincoln in 2005, I had this dream. Now, God gives me lots of dreams. I also have a lot of random dreams myself, which sometimes I think are from God, but they're not. Um, Anyone else? (laughs) I write them down, and I think I'm pretty sure that might have been cheese and not the Holy Spirit, but I'll write them down anyway, and we'll we'll see where God wants to go with it. Um, But I had a dream that the city was pitch black, and there was one light on in our community building. I could see a woman through the window clutching a cup of coffee and crying to someone who was from our church. Now, by this point, I'm 25, very excitable, and I went to church the following Sunday and shared this dream, declaring to our church of 30 people who were mainly elderly um, that maybe God is asking us to open our church (laughs) 24-7, and we needed to obey. (laughs) Everyone smiled politely, (laughs) but needless to say, it didn't happen. I knew that dream was from God, but it was the right dream, wrong time. So I shelved it in my heart. It says that Mary did that, doesn't it, in the Bible? She held things in her heart. We need to do that sometimes. Sometimes we think, wow, that was definitely from God. Maybe not for now, but something for me to look out for. Fast forward 10 years, and I'd been part of creating a new network in the city for the churches to start working together, mainly because we felt incredibly overwhelmed with the need. And actually, do you know what? There's 70 churches in our city and surrounding villages. Imagine if they all started working together. So anyway, I started banging the drum in the city that we all needed to start working together. And in my new role as, as kind of managing this network, I was sat on this multi-agency board with the NHS, and the topic was regularly the fact that Lincolnshire had the highest suicide rate nationally. And we needed crisis cafes to be available to people who were struggling with their mental health. Now, I took this back to a group of Christian doctors, psychiatrists. We'd created a health and well-being subgroup to look at the health and well-being of our city. And we said, this must be something that's breaking God's heart, that people are taking their lives because everything is too hopeless. And as we prayed together, my dream from 2005 came back to me. There was a light on in the dark. 
And I shared this with the Christians around the table. We were probably representing about eight churches on that evening. And one by one, they started to share how God, over the years, had given them something similar, that their church would be a light on in the dark. Wow. Okay. So that wasn't just one church that was going to be the savior of the city. That was all the churches working together. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. The dry bones were before us and we felt the pain, but God had already spoken. He'd already spoken. He just needed us to speak the word of the Lord over the valley of dry bones. So at the next NHS meeting, I said to one of the commissioners, when the topic of crisis cafes came up, I said, I think the church could help with that. And within six months, we pioneered the nightlight cafes, a non-clinical provision of mental health supported by support for, for anybody that is finding life too difficult, and it's provided by the churches seven nights a week for people across the city in the dark of night. And it's fully funded by the NHS. Incredible, isn't it? Because actually, do you know what? Sometimes it's not just us that see the Valley of Dry Bones. It's, it's, it's massive public organisations like the NHS, and they've tried everything they can. And so they're looking for hope, and if the church can speak hope, and if you've done that work of building up that trust and proving yourself, they say, well, let's work together. God had a solution to the pain he just needed people to see, to feel, to speak. We now have 30 nightlight cafes across Lincolnshire, and it's started to go nationwide. We're currently piloting the twilight cafes for young people and their families at the request of CAMS. CAMS came to us, you know, the, the children and mental health, children and adolescent mental health services. They love these acronyms, don't they, in the NHS? <laughs> um, but they came to us and said, it's hopeless. Our waiting list is massive. We have had children on the brink of wanting to take their own lives and they're on a waiting list for a year. Can the church help? Twilight cafes are being piloted at the moment, fully funded by the NHS, but with the church reaching out and bringing that hope. You know, sometimes it feels overwhelming and what can be done, but do you know what? Before the beginning of time, God had a solution. God had a solution. We've just got to listen <laughs> and hear what that solution is. I would just love it if, if the band could just come up, because we're going to just kind of spend a bit of time. I'd love us just to close our eyes, if that's okay. Remember what I said, your words are powerful, but the words in your, God's words in your mouth are transformational. There's a lot of things that have been shared just there, but actually, sometimes we need to take a moment to allow God's word to do what only God's word can do. There is no point in the church wanting to see transformation if we don't allow transformation in our own lives first. It's never going to happen. What is Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What part of this journey are you on? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you need to speak? During that prayer time earlier on, I've jotted down three specific words that I felt God was saying to maybe one person here, maybe a few people here. 
Firstly, I heard somebody in front of them has the dry bones of a health diagnosis. You've heard what the doctor has to say, but what is God saying? What is God saying? The second word is this, the word overwhelmed resonates with you. It's actually made you paralyzed by the fact that all you can see is these dry bones. And I felt God say, remember the God who you serve. Look up and see heaven's armies ready to move at the word. They just need to hear the word. With you, it's impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. The final word is this. Someone here has disqualified themselves from being the person who God wants to use. And I believe when that was mentioned earlier on about Mordecai speaking to Esther, that actually it was, she was, she was, she was there for that time. But actually, if she chose not to do something, God would use someone else. But can I tell you that right now, God is asking you He has brought you here for this purpose. He has equipped you with everything you need. And now speak. Do not let the lies of the enemy tell you that there's somebody more eloquent than you that can speak. Somebody who's got a better past than you who can speak. Somebody who has got, I don't know, more gifting than you who can speak. God has chosen you. And right now you know that. Holy Spirit, come. I just want to pray for every single person in this room. Help them to see themselves as you see them. A daughter of the heavenly king who has everything they need to bring heaven to earth this time help them to see with your eyes help them to feel with your heart and help them to speak with the power of the Holy Spirit the power that can bring the dead to life we want to see our communities, our families, our workplaces, our cities, our towns transformed by the power of God. And God, you are asking us to usher that in. So help us not to shrink back or to look around and find who else is going to be doing this. 
Help us to know that we have every good thing we need to see your power come. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com. Thank you.